Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. That's how we're opening it, right? Get off social media, Jax. Yeah. Oh, who's on here? Oh, we... social media. Oh, you hear that, Back. everyone? That's live, doing it live across the world. She just admitted she has a social media addiction. Jay, I do. What? Jay, I wanted to discuss that on tonight's oh, podcast. Okay, well, you did. So yes. does Jay, though. I Jay is definitely problem. addicted to social media. I, I this week has been uh, eye-opening for me. Well, might be a little loud with my mic. Cool. So we usually do a surf report. Surf's crappy this week, so we won't talk about surf. But we've had some drama it's depressing. in the water around our local surf break. Da-dun. Not sharks. Da-dun. We talked about that last week. Last Aww. week was shark. This one is about... We had tons of sharks, just FYI. If you didn't we listen talk, that was all last week. I know, but maybe someone skipped you, it. Hey, if you're skipping it, go back and listen yeah, last go week. Go back. <laughs> no, but you can't so, skip the steps. You can't so skip the podcast. This kid... So uh, there's a surf break. We won't name the break. We won't name the kid. But there's this kid um, who basically... There's surf etiquette. Where if you're not a surfer, listen up. If you're not so there's surf etiquette. Yeah, if you're tra- trying to learn, the person who gets the wave, the deepest, who gets up first, and is riding it has priority of the wave. And then there's an unwritten etiquette of if you live there and surf there regularly, you're considered a local. And the elders get the wave. The elders, first. you somewhat have somewhat of a priority hierarchy, on yeah. position. There's a hierarchy there. That's it used to be gnarly in the 70s, right? Like I mean, people were getting. I still Lexi. drop in on yeah. old people. It's because Lexi's from... <laughs> Le- Lexi's from freaking Tehachapi. <laughs> Look up Tehachapi on see how close yeah, that is the ocean. It's out in the middle of the Mojave. G-Town, represent! So, so anyway, so this kid who who has a long history of being... this Rumor has it they got kicked out of, of Hawaii because of his aggressive behavior in the water. Um, and then they moved here, and I know some kids at another break where they said, you know, they won't let him surf there anymore. And so he's because he's snaking people. Yeah, so he's taking waves taking from other people and, and like being, really being aggressive out in the water. Out. So, anyways, guys out. so some beef went down in the water. Rumor whether he got down splashed, down. he got dunked under the water, oh. and then um, mom called the cops. Blah blah blah. So, anyways, I can't get off social media reading all the updates. Like I read literally every post since you shared it with me. I love. There's like 900 comments. The other night, I, 900 comments. When Brad turned me on to it, I went home, and I literally for three hours till my eyes were like, you know, you turn it off, yeah. and it's in the dark, and your eyes are like seeing colors. I, I haven't introduced you to even work, because there's like five other threads that you don't even know exist. I, I read another one, but I, I just I couldn't do it. Like, it's one in the, was enough. It's in, like, Stab Magazine, Orange County. So I like, read the Stab one. I started getting into that it one It hit today. the register today. Ugh. So my problem is... Oh, I'm, see register? Yeah. Oh, so, wow, so like, intense. so I'm feeling this addiction. I'm like, I, every little, I'm at the stoplight. I'm like, dude, I wonder if someone commented on it. Yeah, more. that's how it was. And it's out of control. So Lexi, I'm empathizing with so you. So are you saying you also have... I'm thinking my life has become unmanageable with my... <laughs> when when m- you stop at the stop sign and look at a post... You I know. think I've had a control. Like, I'm, and I'm literally like, dude, someone else, it's, it's too entertaining and too, like... Okay, so I then will you- say this. While I was on my cruise, I went on a cruise. Obviously, we don't get service. And I realized, not having my phone with me, how much I'm actually on my phone, like checking my Facebook, my Instagram, my likes. It's, it, gets, it can get bad. Well, and 
Jay, we, we interviewed um, some pornography addicts, and and it was described as it's not necessarily about the sex or the self satisfaction, uh, self pleasure out of it. It's just non stop searching, yeah. like that incessant looking like looking for look. something new. Which, as I'm looking at these articles, I'm like refreshing. Oh, I'll go to that other article, see if someone commented, and I, I've sent those words that were said to us. Was flashing my mind. I'm like, I'm doing the same thing, except I'm just reading people's comments about some drama in the surf water, in the water. So what you gotta do when you're in the situation? Because I get this way too, of course. Uh, we all do with social media. Not everyone, but most of us do. Um, you take a step back and you do a st- step ten, and which is like a daily accountability, and you hey, check. That's our step today. Exactly. So step ten, and you go over. You go, what am I? Because usually it correlates with something that's going on in your life. So when I'm more on social media, it's either I have too much downtime, meaning I'm not. I maybe have just completed a really gnarly task at work or in the program with the sponsorship with sponsees, or like I basically have a lot of free time, right? Surf's down, work is just mellowed out because it's a new month, again, I'm in sales, so it's like, okay, I have some, a week to kind of like hang out. And then, or, so that's one s- scenario, or it's life's really chaotic. It's really, there's some things I really don't want to deal with all day, but I, I deal with them all day, so then at night, it's my time to just escape, but the problem is sometimes it's not just for an hour. I'll, I'll do it until 11.30 at night, and I've been on it for six. Just chasing that wormhole. From seven, yeah, and then really, I'm not, it's not even about the content like you were saying. It's more so I'm trying to escape from something that I know I'm going to have to face when I wake up tomorrow morning. And, and think if we did actually dive into the scriptures. For, yeah. Like you were diving in with that intensity for that long totally. on like some gospel topic. Jeez. How much better we'd be as people. Just, I mean, and now with the Mormon app, like you can actually do that. I know, like, like we, have no, we have no excuse. Maybe no excuse. It's it's one, and it's well one square done. over. The church's like, app do, 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 is do. getting better every time I update it. It's I like, literally whoa. told myself like a month ago, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna start reading the scriptures every day. I've all right, not let's help each it. other here. Ready? I've not done it at all. I've not read accountability. Here we are, folks. See, even we have problems. So, yeah. So all right. So every time. We're thinking about uh, I'm gonna only, and, and here's and you mentioned it, Jay, because we we uh, promote the podcast through social media on Instagram. So you Facebook. try to bl- you try to blame me for your amount of time on social media because <laughs> I make you promote it. Well, and it's not just that. Here's the thing: reality is, I'm sponsoring <laughs> someone again. That if I wasn't checking Facebook, I wouldn't have known about this person from high school. They they people follow me from high school and they remember the crazy Jay. And uh, they go, whoa, wait a minute. This guy's posting about his 12 steps and this, that, and the other. He seems like someone that's got it figured out, Here's so I'm going to reach out. And if I wouldn't have done that, like if I wouldn't have been on Facebook, I wouldn't have done it. And so I've gone six months. The longest I've gone since in my um, recovery was six months without it. And um, I went, went back on it to check it. And sure enough, when I did go to check it, there was someone who had left me a comment about like their addiction. And so I was like, man, I feel like I almost can't. And I feel like Heavenly Father, rather than avoiding it altogether, wants me to, because you can't live in a bubble. It's like almost like rehab. You can, you can go there for a minute, but you, which is good. I do, I am an advocate for like taking a month off because it'll help you relax. A little fast, a little fast. It, it, a little fast. It slows it down. It'll yeah. slow down your craving. I promise that. That six months slowed it down a lot. And it's worked up this whole last year and a half that I've been back on it or a year. So, but I think he wants us to be, have moderation in all things. And I think there are so many good things with social media, but of course, like 90% of the day or 50% or whatever it is, like I said, if I have too much free time or if I have too much on my mind, then I go there. So that's, that's both worlds, and it's just like a drug. Well, it gives me great empathy for food addicts, right? Yeah. Like they have totally. to eat, and so they've got to know how to moderate Yeah. where you, can, you, you don't have to take an opiate. 
No, true. You don't have to look at pornography. No. Like, those are things that, like, we can absolutely yeah. abstain from. But then there are certain addictions that or it, it goes down to step one, like getting honest, like obviously with 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 I mean, obviously, this is, this is the new section, but we're talking about this. But I think it's uh, step one is honesty. And if you're really serious about uh, you really do feel like it's a hindrance in your life and you got to be honest, but then you got to kind of do the other steps with it, too. And maybe not all of them will apply, but a lot of them will. So anyways, well, it's getting honest on that note on social media. I saw some. Yeah. Where's some social media <laughs> news? Lexi, you have Lexi, a news one. Okay, well, so on Facebook. we all know that I love to read People Magazine, Ironic. which is not very good, I know. You what? It's one of my bad No mumbling. Talk okay, mumbling. sorry, sorry, sorry. What sorry. you said at all. So, <clears throat> you, what'd you say? I look at People Magazine, I like to watch the E! News, and it just so happens that so Brad Pitt recently got sober. Mm-hmm. From Not his, got sober, but he just admitted. He, he admitted, admitted, he he admitted that one. he had a problem, that Has. his life became unmanageable. Yep. From alcohol and smoking weed, which everyone talks about is not, not addictive. So, and Woody, so we got Woody Harrelson and Brad Pitt now coming out. And Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, yeah. And uh, let's see, there's a couple other. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. Um, Someone else, too. Uh, La NBA player that's married to the Kardashian. What's his name? Lamar Odom. Oh, well, he, uh, that guy. He's in and out, but he's, he's one of us. He's in and out. He's definitely well, one of us. Well, for sure he's in and out. Yeah, okay, go on. So go on. I love Brad Pitt, Anyways, by the way. She knows that. Man crush. Jay may think he might he grew his mustache look by look. Brad Pitt. How many pictures do you have? Like Brad Pitt, How many pictures do you have of his mustache next to your mustache? Oh, At least 25 to 30. Truth. From Inglorious Bastards. Don't watch it if you're Mormon. Okay, so this is what he had to say no. about his recovery. He said, for me, this period has really been about looking at my weaknesses and failures and owning my side of the street, four or five. which is an AA saying. Pitt said, for my every misstep has been a step toward epiphany, understanding some kind of joy. Yeah, the um, avoidance of pain is real is a real mistake. Wow, Brad, this is why I love you. <laughs> Not Brad Barber, Brad Pitt. Did you get on the mic? He can, they can hear him talking really loud. No, you're like 10 feet away. Brad Pitt, this is why I love you. Sorry if that was loud. Okay. Wow. What? All or nothing. Oh, my gosh. Okay, just moderate. Compl- you say people complain to you about the audio, and you're 10 feet away from the microphone. I bought a new mic, man. This thing was not cheap. Hopefully they don't. Guys, if you're listening. When you're leaning back in the – and I'm going to take a picture next time you're leaning back so everyone can see it. We're supposed to be recording this. I can this, keep I going. No, no, okay. we're good. Okay. All right, next news. <laughs> good for you, Brad Jay, Pitt. You we're posted, with you. Uh, you sent it in a thread. I'm trying to find it about the biggest oh, drug, drug bust in the, hi- in the history of Utah. Uh, state, but it was a few months back. It's kind of old news, but someone just did saw it and then posted. But basically, this kid that a bunch of my friends knew from BYU, he didn't go to BYU, but he lived up in Cottonwood Heights, got busted with the largest cash and drug manufacturer in the uh, house. Weed or pills or what? Pills, of uh, fentanyl pills he was creating, mm, which is killing more people in this country right now than gnarly. a lot of stuff. Uh, it's pretty gnarly stuff, but um, that was pretty big news. Um, this kid was like looked like a normal kid, like a bunch of people knew him and lived in a very nice neighborhood and. Inside was so hazardous with the chemicals that you had to wear on. You had to wear like a full blown hazmat, hazmat suit, to suit to get in because it could your skin and stuff could be really effective. Anyways, well, speaking of uh, of Utah, Bad I've always thought attacks. that we would have because we're kind of an LDS themed ARP that like Utah would be a big listening area for us. We still <clears throat> we still don't crack uh, Utah very highly. We actually are much farther. In fact. The top city for last week really surprised me. So those of you in Utah, that means you got to share the message. Yeah. Okay, go on. The, yeah. So you got South Africa blowing your doors, Woo! Utah. South so Africa. The country of South Africa was our mo- our top. Oh, they talked on there. 
Our, our top country is overall listeners to the United States. Second is South Africa, but our most listened to city, and I don't know where this is, but I won't name it, but there's a city in South Africa that's the most listened to city. What? So I can't even pronounce it, but maybe like... What do I listen to? Then second is La Ye Hawaii. La Ye, brother. I, I met two people on my cruise from um, South America. Or South, South Africa. Africa. Did you? Could they be from that? Could be. At Paul and Christine. This, well, there hey, you go. You may have been sharing the message on the thing. And La Ye, me and Lexi lived in La Ye for a while. I used to live at Buddy's Shoots, house. Bra. Shoots, Lexi worked at the haircut store. How's it? How's it? <laughs> Auntie. You remember I'm, me. You guys Lita, all know me. Coach Reggie. We got them all down there. Right so now, they're laughing you at your wannabe pigeon. Um, I, I know. I'm not pigeon at all, but I, I do love miss you. Musubis. We miss the Musubis. I miss Papa Ole's Impossible Pizza. I, all the good surf breaks. Lexi, anyways. what besides. South Africa and the United States, can you name um, one of the other countries in our top five listeners? Haiti. No. Uh, Two more choices. Guesses. Indonesia. No. Mm. We have listeners in both, but no. Sweden. Uh, Vietnam. Oh, wow. Canada, Australia, and Mexico. And then we have 49 other countries that are enjoying the podcast. So share the message, guys. The only way this gets out is just like the program, the gospel. You got to open your mouth and share it with people. This is all about helping people. This is nonprofit. We're just doing this to try to help people, and we're grateful for you guys. And So, Jay, I shared this yeah. in our meeting about the anonymity part, and oh, I think yeah. that was new to you. Yeah. So this is in the big book of AA. Because a lot of people are hardcore, dude, in the program. Right. About, like, anonymity is, like, a part of, like, you need to have it, and I guess yeah. it's people's choice. And I, I just thought it was a part of the program. I always thought it was part of the program, too. But if you read, I'm going to read it word for word. Um, from where? From the big book of. So from Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. So written you, by. This is the Bill doctor's Wilson. opinion in the beginning. So before Bill's story, mm -hmm. this is the doctor's opinion before. Which and is so, Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob. So we, so this is in 1938. Um. And it was the original 1938 multi-lith manuscript of Alcoholics Anonymous. So the before the precursor to the big book. Yeah. And at this time, there was 100 men and women who reco recovered from seeming hopeless, the hopeless state of mind and body. And then they wanted to do this to show other al alcoholics precisely how they can recover. That's the main purpose of the book. And then paragraph two says... It is important that we remain anonymous. And then here's the because. Because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals which will result from this publication. I love that. I remember actually reading it now. I think it was in Montclair when I first heard that. I was driving down the 10 going to an appointment when I first bought the uh, big book and listened to it on audio. And it's funny, you reading it again, I know you shared it with me earlier. Now, I remember when I first heard that, and I was like, wow. And then I just never thought about it again. And, and obviously, what, I chose a broke anonymity. You know, yeah, I do what I do. But, but you know, this is 1938. Like, they were just figuring out yeah. this. They, they didn't even know where they have to break no, They were saying it's in a – so this is basically to, to, to the 100 people that had sobriety, the original yeah. had recovery, the original 100 people, and they were going to take this message out to others. They were saying it's important for us to remain anonymous because we wouldn't be able to handle it. Because it goes on, it says, be being mostly uh, business or professional folk, we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. Basically saying like this is they're doing it. Basically, they're saying just like us, like we're doing this for service. It's not like they're not making money. Yeah. Like Bill was a stockbroker and, and all these and other guys had. And, and I thought immediately of you because 
you, we go do a, a, a stake meeting, award meeting, and your phone blows up. Right? Oh, dude, it's, it says we, me and Brad just did all the wards in our stake in Laguna Niguel, seven wards, right? Yeah. And award conferences, and like literally it's been two a day almost. And it's not necessarily from people from here, but it's their family members or friends or Yeah, just someone just wanted to talk about like, experience from their past. So, so I challenged the meeting tonight, like, hey, people need to step up. Sorry, our window's open at our studio. Oh, do you know we're trying to do a podcast? <laughs> Wait, sorry. We're getting very unprofessional here. We are. It's not supposed to be professional. Uh, I'm, I'm professional all day long. So that, that really, like, that the anonymity was very important. And for certain people at certain stages, they really need to be anonymous. They need to know it's who we see here, what is said here, stays here. I agree um, with I agree but, with here but, here, but, but it's but, not what they actually their intention is. What you're getting at is not to have that. That's why Bill eventually had his name on it and all that stuff. Yeah, and and eventually why this works, and and I can totally see it in the church. Like as soon as people start breaking anonymity, and, look what happened. Anonymity, and they start sharing their story, people are like, "Thank you." Look at what happened. Thank you. Look at what happened. I mean, like what I, happened? I don't I don't talk about it a lot because it's not something that I want to be associated with, like a, as a brag or whatever. Because I I was in a bad I was in a, hard, a tough spot, but um, when I remember when one of the leaders of the San Clemente meeting you know, asked me to share in a couple of his words, I did that a couple of times, and that kind of got me to break. I made a choice there, like whether I was going to talk about my experience or not, or just keep it in the rooms of uh, ARP. And then when we came in our ward, like we've said before, we could have easily. It's recording. Yeah, keep talking. Uh, if uh, if uh, we if we would have not shared, we could have walked into our ward and pretend like because we had already been back together for six or almost a year, and we just felt like, hey, we need to share. And Lexi used to always say, if we can, Jay, if we could just help one person with our story, then it'll all be worth it, right? And uh, I just remember thinking, Lex, like, there's no way I'll be ever to I'll be able to ever help someone again because I had so much shame and guilt, but. Obviously, I hadn't finished the steps yet. The minute I finished the steps, um, that shame and guilt disappeared, and I realized that like I'm I'm on equal ground with people. One thing that the steps did for myself, which led to anonym breaking anonymity, was I realized that I'm on equal footing, and that Lexi's filming me, so I just I'm a little immature, but um, I'm uh, on. Jay can't handle. I it. can't handle it. My ADD. I just want to keep making faces. No, it's good. I'm just, uh, what I was getting at is the steps put me on equal ground. And I felt like breaking anonymity was something I had to do. It wasn't even a choice. It was like I had to do it. And um, really, it was we lost someone for our meeting. And I realized that, like, I have such a sick disease in my ego, like when I'm in my disease, that, like, I tell myself, even though I have all these gnarly experiences that I've shared before in the meetings or with you or on the podcast, I still can have that voice in the back of my mind saying that you're not sick. You know, like, you're not you can do whatever you want. Like you're, you're still in control or God's not there or whatever these weird voices that come out of nowhere and uh, breaking anonymity has created so many layers of accountability, let alone doing what we're talking about, helping other people, which that's the point. Well, you breaking anonymity put us together totally. because if I was, I'm working on a book as we're working on a book together and I, and I list, yeah. She gets excited. And I listed, I was going back over our friendship. I'm like, we are very different people, you and I. Dude. We're really good friends, but we're very Best different. I'm friends. listing all these things. I'm like, we're complete opposites. It's polar opposites. Right? Like down and to like the way we deal with everything. Yeah. You're, you're a regular foot. I'm goofy foot. All the way down the way we surf. All the way down we surf. We both rip, though. Um, but, I, but I constantly, like, I've had this thing in my mind. I'm like, I have too many friends. I can't keep track. I can't hang enough with the friends I want to hang with. 
because I just don't have enough time in the day, right? But my family, my friends, and so uh, I've selfishly just like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to reach out and get that close with people because I just don't have time to to manage everything. I'm not one of those people that have like I like good friends. I don't quality like I don't like acquaintances. There's a lot of people that just have a ton of people quantity. and they're like they're quantity all the friends. Quality, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I'm quantity. all about the quality. Um, I don't care on the numbers. Um, and so, but when you shared that, I was like, I remember going, okay, well, that's interesting. He surfs, he lives in my neighborhood, but that's, but if you hadn't shared, if you hadn't shared about your recovery, I would not have been intrigued enough to like get to know. I'd be like, okay, whatever. There's some other guy that surfs. Maybe I'll see him in the water. Can I say something? If you get by the mic. <clears throat> I will say this. <laughs> the first time that like me and Jay came to like the ward, he was like, he like saw Brad. And he was like, man crush, total. He was like, <laughs> I, this is totally Fine. truth. Yes, it is. He was like, I got it. I just want to be. I got to get in that crew. Like, I want to be Brad's friend so bad. And I remember the first time Brad <laughs> making like, me feel so good. The never... first time that Brad gave Jay the time of day, like at church, he like came home and like Jay this was, Jay was He's like elated. Keep going. Lexi, keep going. Jay was like elated. He's like, dude, Brad came up to me. We were like talking. I felt like a little connection there. Like, I think I'm. I think I'm getting my like foot in there. This before he we went surfing? Oh, way before. Uh-uh. This is like before you guys even like ever really talked. Talk. That makes me feel like I have no idea I had that projection. Like I just totally feel like I'm did, such a Brad. schmuck, you know? No, no, just no. I had burnt a lot of bridges. And so like I, I, wanted, I wanted quality friends too in my life. And I felt like just like addiction does, it kills a lot of things. And it killed a lot of the friendships I had that were quality, unfortunately. And then when I heard, you know, Brad surfed and all that stuff, and his son Logan, it was just, it's just a great fit. Hey, well, <laughs> just a you great know what? Fit. You're breaking anonymity was the cause of that. Look for at real. It, the blessings that come into our life. No, for, seriously, for I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, not only with our friendship, the podcast, the the meetings that have gotten started, the amount of people that like are literally, they were just like me and Lexi. They were literally hopeless. Thought their marriage was over. Like, you know what I mean? And then just like the people came into our lives, it's because they broke anonymity that saved our lives. You know, it's kind of cool to look back and go, oh, maybe, maybe our you know, journey's worth it, bro. Yeah, it was worth it, bro. Okay, um, I want to lend last. Speaking of the big book, because last week you were pretty what? passionate about our discussion. Yeah, sorry if I hurt anyone. Just a disclaimer: if you listen to last week's podcast where I went off about uh, antidepressants, anxiety pills. Once again, this podcast, just like shares in a meeting, are 100% my experiences and my opinion. They are not gospel. You get Jay's real, except when he's talking about his man crush on me. You get, you get the real deal. Like he just says it how yeah. it is. Yeah, and I may, ch- do, you may be talking to me tomorrow, and I may have a whole other opinion. So, um, well, anyways, that was my opinion. So but I, I still feel that way. I thought you came out a little strong. I was strong. I feel bad. But, but I actually softened up because as I was reading Ooh, that, that part of the big book. Um, and it talked about the um, the spiritual maladies that addicts have. And this is what Bill and Bob wrote down in the big book. And and you mentioned it a lot that the drug wasn't. It was it, you were using the drug t- as your solution. Yeah, the drug wasn't my problem. It was, it was my solution. It was a, coping so, with life. So what was the problem? And they identified what the problem are. What and, are they? And in the church culture, we have you know we did this last one and with with a ward and it's it. We have like, well, we're not addicts, you know. Why? Part of your why, mission, right? Why Brad? would we benefit from this yeah. if we're not addicts? And because I've seen such benefits in my life, and and spouses and family members that have done these steps, 
that that this really articulated it for me. Well, so, real quick before you say that, part of Brad's mission, what he's getting at is that he likes to he he he's found such a blessing in this calling and working with people and just seeing the experiences. He's realized quite quickly, just like a lot of people, that this applies to everyone, whether you're a drug, porn, or alcohol. Well, I'm not alone. Anyone who sh- comes to the meeting, and then, and, like but they, then you found this as like a part of like, oh, this, this is yeah. why. Yeah. So this is why. So the maladies that that the, these twelve steps address are these. Number one, if you're taking notes, take notes. See if any of these relate to you. Number one, being restless, irritable, and discontented. Yikes. Check. Yep. Number two, having trouble with personal relationships. Check. Number three, not being able to control our emotional natures. Check. Number four, being a prey to or suffering from misery and depression. Daily. What? Okay. <laughs> Number five, not being able to make a living or a happy and successful life. I was fired from every job before the job I had now. Okay. Or I quit. Number six, In having feelings of un- of uselessness. So if you feel like you're useless. I'm kind of an egomaniac, so I don't feel that way. But Number scared. seven, being full of fear. All the time. Number eight, unhappiness. Probably go along with depression. And, totally, yeah. Uh, okay. Number nine, inability to be of help, to be of real help to other people. That's how I felt for sure. Number 10, being like the actor who wants to run the whole show. Number from the outside. Number eleven, <laughs> being driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. Number twelve, self will run riot. Number thirteen, leading a double life. I think that's a part. A lot of people in our in the church culture, when they get when they get real, they're like, "I was living a double life." You know, to church I was one so thing, we've and, had people it, on and the a podcast. business, yeah, our, yeah. At work, I was a different person than I was at church. You know, that is a sign that you need these 12 steps. So all these are. So, yeah, if you're sitting here listening, this is like. I have two more to being, go. Oh, go on. I have two I more like to go. if you're listening, then you're already on the verge of change. No, sure. maybe. Yeah. I, everyone is, man. We, these are the natural yeah. man. These are the I natural know. tendencies. Okay, number 14. Living like a tornado running through the lives of others. That was a freaking. That was you. You were tornado. You was, What's yeah. the Looney Tune cartoon where it was? Oh like, yeah, I can picture that. Yeah, Tasmanian Devil. Last one, fifteen. Exhibiting selfish and inconsiderate habits. Say that last one. Uh, exhibiting selfish and inconsiderate habits. I would say social media is that one, right? Like, yeah. I can play with my kids, or I can start my phone. I can do the Ooh. dishes, mow the lawn, change the oil, make some more money. Lexi, are like, you listening? Do all those things, right? <laughs> You too. I'm kidding. Of course, we all, all of us. Like, it's all a, of that's us. a world we live in now that, that we all battle with. So, you know what? I softened up your, your, we're really selling. I think what you're trying to say was these 12 steps can cure. Can cure. All. And, and the, the ARP manual says if you want a spiritual solution to your problem, then do these steps. To a physical. I, can I say something? It's not a quick fix. That's the thing is the dividends. Like you could take that's a pill. A lot of people I feel like are like, oh, well, I just. You show up to a meeting and I'm good to go. Yeah. You go to a doctor and the doctor listens and they go, yeah. You're like, wait a minute. Check, 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 right? They give you a list pretty similar to that and they go, dude, I got something. It just takes a couple weeks. Well, if you go into a meeting, I promise you, if someone's being honest with you, they're not going to say it's going to be healed in a t- couple weeks. However, the damage can be stopped you know, right away. And But the dividends for living a Christ-like life, and I've heard this, a life, I've heard this in general conference before, 
I think it was President or Elder Bednar one time said that like you don't get the dividends from family home evening till way later. You know, like having that family home evening Dude, with your we kids. Sure, or, we heard two shares tonight in our yeah, meeting about stuff like this. About fifteen, twelve to fifteen years outside the church, and then now they're back. And now they're back and live. And, and the, so those are the, the div, those are the dividends of those parents of those parents. But it can't. It took time. It took that much. So time so it's worth it wherever you're at. If you may, and if you're not getting the dividends, you're not. That, like I've said, and hopefully what you were, uh, the reason why I'm so passionate about what I was talking about last uh, podcast is because I do, I do suffer. It's in my family, depression and anxiety, even though like on the outside I have uh, things that I shouldn't be, I should be every day walking like on a cloud because my life is so, it's awesome. It's awesome. Like our, all of our lives are awesome compared to the, you know, 90% of the world and the p- poverty and other things they live in. But uh, maybe that's why we have those because we have our basic needs met. But the point is, is I now uh, I know like I just need to like ride it out like those like the waves or I have to ride it out like. But you don't have to white knuckle it. I don't have to you. white knuckle it. Yeah, there's a difference between riding it out, right? Like you and I both know. Like when you surf analogy here, just getting this is what we're used to, right? Is uh, sometimes the, if you're in the wrong spot and there's like massive sets like paddling 100 miles an hour towards the duck dive is not a good idea sometimes you're just like i'm not gonna there's no way i'm yeah. making out of the danger zone so i need to like just calm down because yeah. i may be here for about 20 minutes yeah and if i burn myself out i may get myself into a real yeah. pickle then, where then i'm you'll hyperventilating and i'm like yeah. right and so that's kind of with my my depression and anxiety which i can still have and guys i've done the steps um but i don't have i have i have a solution i come to a meeting i share i call an addict in recovery i, I share i call my sponsor i share i talk to my wife my friends brad whatever it is we do these podcasts and i start to feel better and then the next day I wake Action. up. We heard today, it was a cool one, we can end on this. Okay. He said, you know, it's like a you know, recovery is like a refrigerator. If you think about it, when you plug in that fridge, you now have something that preserves life, mm-hmm. right? Food is life, right? Living food, okay? Yeah. The enzymes and all that stuff start to die only when you unplug the fridge, right? You unplug that fridge. We all know when that fridge stops, you open that door, and whether you're on vacation, you come home, stuff starts to reek and you can't figure out what it is and you got to get in there and dive it in but the point is is being plugged in and that's what this program is about and i it's, i promise you i've done all the other drugs i've done all the other stuff i've done the actions the things that the world sells for for happiness uh, not just with drugs with like lifestyle and nothing has brought the dividends as this program because i'm still here four and a half years later sober and the program is really alive. The, applying the principles of the gospel. Yes, which is plugging in which to the gospel. Plugging, plugging, plugging into in the, the spirit, gospel. Plugging into God, plugging into the church. And these steps allow you to, to a framework in order to do all, to do all those if things. You ta- if you were to read, read that list again, it's the opposite of all those. Yeah. Right? It's a solution to those things. It's a solution, yeah. So that's the opposite. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And those are, those, those are the ailments of life that we get that to overcome. Has, that we yeah. get to overcome. That's it's the primary purpose of life. Yeah. So anyways. Um, all right. Well, that's it. So not heavy news. But heavy, heavy topics. Talk. Yeah. Love it. Listen, and, and if every- you guys want to hear me talk again, just email Brad <laughs> and I'll come back on anytime. We do you did- guys have an email? That is something you guys need to do. We have a Facebook and an Instagram. No, you guys the need to have an email. The Next Step Podcast, an email? That's where your people can like respond to you guys. Let's just give them your cell phone number, Lexi. Yeah, yeah. And give them my cell phone t- number. Get, get <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if you want to reach out, Next Step Podcast on uh, Instagram and Facebook. comment on, in fact, you know what? We you can even comment. Please comment. If you're listening, if you're one of these yeah. 
couple hey, hundred people. How about that? Break anonymity. Just share that these steps have helped you. You don't have to. You don't have to say you your don't name. Admit your no on your social media. You don't have to admit like if you got an addiction or whatever. Just say hey, you know what? These things have been very helpful. We had a, for we, had my a, life. we had a dude who listens and comes to the meetings do that, and he just had like hundreds of people reach out and say even say that they need help. So yeah. like immediately. So anyways. You know. Share your start an email. You're so funny. What is we do. It's called the next step podcast at gmail.com. There you go. Is that what it is? Yeah, we have a website, the next step podcast.com. I'm just letting the people yeah. know so that they can respond if they need it. Yeah. If they need it. They can. Direct, so we get direct messages on, on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. I'm so grateful she's here, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Lex. Everybody loves that. We did get a shout out uh, about Lexi, so that was good. Um, we're glad to have you back off your cruise. <laughs> and we're gonna and we're gonna do Jay Share with step eleven. <laughs> Then we are going for spiritual to, guidance. We're going to have a another uh, mobile uh, oh, we're ask the attic. Ask the attic to someone who doesn't live here. We're doing a little yeah. Skype. Yeah, action. we're doing a little Skype interview. Sweet. So. This person we actually met on our social media, so yeah, that's awesome. This was reached out. So if you guys want to be on, dude, meet us up on social media. Yeah, I, I'm. I think this is going to be really. Uh, I think all of them are awesome. But all this of them one's awesome. going to be some neat nuggets of information out of this next one. All right, Jay, your share. See ya later. Right. Well, I'm Jam and Act. Thank you guys for sharing. What a special meeting. I don't know about you guys, but this is special. I've been to a lot of meetings in the last four years, and this is goes down one of the most special ones in my heart, just from the fact. Obviously, Chip Seeker, 90 days. You know, two days. <laughs> speaking your first time, getting your one year chip, you know, coming back after not being here for a while, admitting defeat in all of its forms and where, you know, where we're at and being the spouse of, of, of the addict and trying to deal with that and carry that weight and getting through that and now helping others and going to meetings where spouses are there. There's just so much, pr I mean, just being active in your, in all of our journey is just, there's just been so much tonight. It's like overwhelming. I came in here with so much ADD, it's insane. I drove from Indio. This is just normal work, but like just over caffeinated and just 99 miles an hour so I could get here on time and like and try to eat before I got here. And uh, when I sat down, I was so grateful that I didn't have to speak first because like I, I, I couldn't even like I didn't know if I was speaking. I think I called Cameron Cody. Like I said, thank you for sharing. I was like, you know, it's just weird. Like I was just like going crazy. But you know what? It kind of reminded me now I'm sitting here. That's how, what I was trying to say is that's how crazy I was when I sat down. But when I first came to the meetings four years ago, my wife had left me and I was detoxing from opiates, Adderall, barbiturates, Xanax, Valium, muscle relaxers. Every meeting I went to was like that. Every meeting I sat down, I was freaking crazy, like in my head. And I was justified in my anger and I was pissed off and I felt God had abandoned me and Satan had his grasp around my neck and like you know, just pissed off and bitter. And there was no one in this room that was there when I was first coming. But if you go down to the San Clemente in the Thursday night meeting, ask some of those people who are there and ask them what it was like when I sat down in the meeting and ask them if I sounded the way I do now and if I look the way I do now and if I act the way I did, you know, now compared to what I did then. Every time I'd go to those meetings pissed off and angry and yet not knowing what I was going to say or how I was going to say it or if I wanted to share or if I even wanted recovery, if I even cared anymore about God or the gospel or the church. But every time I left, the light grew inside me a little bit more. In the beginning, it was so freaking little that it just gave me enough to come back the next week and enough the next week and enough the next week. And before you know it, I was finally able to share. 
my share sure as heck didn't sound as good as yours. My, I mean, just your humility is awesome, brother. And it's, it's just so cool to watch people come, and you never know what you're thinking, you know. Because my first share, I think I was just, I was just like sat there like this, just angry and bitter, talking about my wife, and it was all her fault um, that she left me for my drug use. You know, I mean, I was just delusional. I was delusional. I was so delusional. And to see you guys that come in here and just right off from the get-go are not delusional, to me, that's like a, that's a, like, it's a novelty. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. Your guys' humility to come in here and go, I'm defeated. I don't know what else to do. Someone suggested X, Y, and Z to come here, and I'm here, and what do I got to do? I can't tell you, like, almost everyone in this room, literally, when you first came, like, that's what you guys have done. And, like, that's why your blessings are there. That's why recovery comes to your life so quickly. It's because your willingness to be honest. See, my, 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 I've had times like that in my life for sure, but my recovery in this last four years was not like that because I wasn't willing. I wasn't being honest with myself. It took a long time for me to get, and that's okay, right? Because look at it, four years later, I'm sober. So it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there. It says in here over and over again, some of us was gradual, some of it was instantaneous, and great. Just come. Just like be a part of the journey and partake. And like when I was working the steps with Darren, I was like, <coughs> I just knew, I was like, and I didn't even know his patriarchal blessing he said that at the time. I knew, I even shared that with you before, but at that time I didn't know. And I remember like, dude, you're, it like it just clicked one, I don't know, maybe it was step four or five when you were dropping off. I just knew, I was like, dude, you're going you're gonna to bless the lives of so many people because of your willingness to be honest. And that's not just for him, that's for everyone. But you know what I'm saying? It was just like, boom. And I remember someone saying that to me and I was like, if you ask when my wife came back to get, when me and Lexi got back together after four months of being separated and only four months sober and me going to the meetings, I sounded, I was just like, you know, I was, I was, it was, I was never coming back. Satan was never going to let go of me. And I said that to her almost every drive home from Whittier. We, we lived in Whittier, a drive home from San Clemente to LA, because there's no excuse of how long it takes to get there. I would drive all the way, and I'd be like, there's no way I'm ever going to have what these people in this room have. Like, I'm done. Like, you don't understand. Like, my brain's fried. And that wasn't my, my opinion. I didn't feel there anymore. Like, I knew I, was lo I had lost something up here. Like, it was never going to come back. And in my heart. Like, I knew spiritually, too, like, I just felt empty and broken. Even with my wife back with me and life coming back together, I felt broken. This program saved my life. I don't feel that way at all anymore. And I make mistakes every freaking day. And I have to use this, the 10th step, which right here in this step, in step 11, it says, in many ways, step 11 is a natural, continuing, uh, a natural continuation of your efforts in step 10, to stay aware of the truth in your life. Step 10 is to get on, you know, is to remain honest and make amends. And guess what, man? I got to make amends all the time. I'm still judgmental. I'm still, I can be extremely rude. I can be extremely selfless and, or self, you know, selfish and sometimes selfless, but mostly selfish. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I can be super judgmental, right? Like I was judgmental in my first meeting and four years later I could still be judgmental. Okay, like that, but that's okay because I don't have to be perfect. I just got to do the steps, and if I do the steps, I say sorry once it finally hits me. That's something I would never have done in my addiction, ever. It was never my fault. It was your fault. And if it was, if I thought, it was, if I ever said sorry, it was only for my own self gratification. It wasn't for yours. It wasn't trying to make you feel better. It was to make me feel better. See, I was a taker. It says by nature we are we all tend to be undisciplined. Yet by looking to Jesus Christ as the example 
he has said, you will find the humility to continue submitting to the Father. Like the Savior, you will be able to say sincerely, thy will be done throughout the day. The light of Christ will guide you and prepare you to receive the companionship of the Holy Ghost. The companionship of the Holy Ghost will become more constant and your ability to recognize and testify of the truth will increase. Recovery is not easy, and it's not for those who are lighthearted. And if you want, if you want to be free from your addiction, you make up your mind right now, tonight, today, to act upon the feelings that you felt. No one said that to you. You may have heard someone speak, but the Spirit speaks to you, and you recognize that you have a problem, that you have something that's become unmanageable, right? That's the definition, they say, of a problem or addiction. And life's become unmanageable, and then you do what others have done before you to not have to, that they've been free from their addiction. That's it. It's that simple. You don't have to make it complicated. It's that simple. My life mission as an addict was to make life complicated. And now in recovery, it's so simple. You pick up the phone, you call someone in this program, we have a list of phone numbers, wherever those are, and most of us have each other's number. Pick up the phone and call. No matter if they're your sponsor or not, just call someone. It took me eight months to have the, you know what, to like get a sponsor. But you better believe I called other people. That's all we have. Where can you dump this stuff in the world? They don't get it. We get it. And guess what? If you're doing the steps and it's tough and you're failing every other day or whatever, think, have a little, just think about those that are out there that you're going to. Darren, how many people are you sponsoring right now? Ten. What? Nine, nine. nine or ten. Okay, just think about where your life could be in one year from now. He's not the only one. Uh, I mean, David sponsored tons. I mean, Greg, you're going to I mean, that's just how it is. You're not doing this for just yourself. I promise you, if you want to get recovery, you got to stop thinking about yourself. And you got to think about Heavenly Father and think about those who, I promise you, everyone has their breaking point. This was the easiest manipulator I can ma manip ma manipulated person I can manipulate. This girl was never going to leave me. <laughs> but guess what? One night, she did. yeah, she did. I rolled over to give her a kiss goodnight, and I'll never forget it because she looked me right in the eyes and said, "I hate you, and I want a divorce." And she didn't say it to scare me. She said it because she finally hit her breaking point. I decided to let that be my end. You mean I changed overnight? No, you guys heard my story. However, everyone has their breaking point. So to just assume that we're always going to have each other, like have all the, the enablers in our life, it's not going to always be that way. I've lost most of my friends from, that I grew up with to this disease. And I found out today that one of my clients, is, his dad's an addict and pill popper just like I was, and the owner's son of this dealership is probably going to die as well, 24-year-old opiate addict. Open your mouth. Do these steps, if not for yourself, for someone else. I'm so grateful you guys came here, and I'm so grateful you guys decided to do this program for yourself. Because then by doing the program for yourself, you help others, and you help me, and you give me a place where I can feel like I'm not alone, and I don't feel like I'm crazy. Because that's how I felt, is alone, scared, and fearful, and all those things that we all feel. But I don't feel that way because of you guys. I don't care where you're at. I don't feel that way because you come here and you share, and because you come back. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>
how are you guys? Welcome to uh, the podcast. You've been a listener for a while. We, uh, I don't know who reached out to who first, whether I think it was through Instagram, but what is your Instagram name? It's LDS Girl in Recovery. Love it. So I don't remember if when we were trying to build an audience or we just stumbled upon that, but uh, that's how we came. And you've been listening to the podcast for a while? I have. I have. I really... Yeah, your podcasts have actually been helpful for me. Um, quite a few of the the things that you guys have talked about, especially being LDS, um, it's nice to know that other people can relate uh, to what my struggles. Totally. Well, let's. let's so Brad, Brad wasn't Brad wasn't crazy when he first hit me up and said he wanted to do a podcast. At first, I was like, <laughs> man, listen, like I I, I know like we got about a hundred people around here in Orange County that may listen, but like who else is gonna listen? You know. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you know, you just don't know, and of course, being an addict mind, like, don't think that far ahead. It's usually negative. So, right, <laughs> um, but that's cool. I'm glad it's helped. I was the same way. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, five years ago, I thought that I was. I only knew my friend group in the church, but I, I thought I was like, you know, for the masses, this is because every time I talk to a bishop or talk to someone in the church, they look at me like I was crazy. Like, what? Do you, what? Just stop. Like, or just, not only just stop, but when they hear my story of how ups and downs, they're like, dude, they just thought I was. I was like terminally ill, you know, so I started yeah. seeing myself that way. Like I was terminally unique and I was going to, that was how I was going to live. And then that's how I was going to die as well. I know. Well, so, Je- so Janae, you grew up in the church. Is this correct? I did. I grew up in the church. Um, very active, was in a very active, uh, sorry, my work phone's going. That's all right. I was in a very active um, LDS family and... Uh, my dad was a bishop my for many, many years, um, off and on. And Bishop's yeah, I was married in the temple and the whole, the whole bit. So once a life ever lived. Life so you had no inter- so you had no interactions with drugs or alcohol throughout that whole time when you were growing up in the church. Not at all. It was the furthest thing from no experimentation from- in those teenage years. Nothing. Not through high school. Not through college. I never. I'm not unique in that either. Wow. That's anything. Jay doesn't. Jay doesn't believe that we that there's a many that actually do that either. So. No, I know. (laughs) I know there with with substance for sure. Um, where where uh where did you grow up? I grew up in St. George, Utah. Okay. And yeah, small town. (laughs) That's where I went to my first wilderness rehab program, St. George Red Rock Academy. Oh wow. Yeah. I was 15 years old and uh, shipped out, shipped it out there, and that's kind of slowed down my drug use as a kid for a while. Yeah. So then, uh, probably not super common, but definitely not unique. Uh, and Jay talks about he was on his mission when he got addicted to, to pain medication, mm-hmm. and we yeah. interviewed a few other people that were in, you know, Later spiritual years. times and and unexpected to get wrapped up in addiction. And that's kind of your story as well, right? You were serving as Young Ones president when you took your first drink. Yeah, yeah. When I first, when I first, you know, and it was I was working at a restaurant that um, where they served alcohol, and it was like, well, how can I serve this stuff? I don't even know what it what it is. And and I was at a time in my life where several things had situations, family, and um, there was a lot going on, and. I discovered quickly that alcohol made me feel really good. So it kind of was one of those things, life life was not going as smooth as it may have been, and then also, and then also you're in an environment where it's prevalent. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. And sort of romanticizing it in your mind. Didn't we talk about this last? I can't remember what we talked about recording or not, but like the fact of, uh, we don't talk about addiction, I think, in the church. And and I think a lot of times with the youth, we're like, "Ah, let's not address these issues. And the fear is that you hear someone like Jay's story and say, well, look, he tried it and he had a rough go of it, but he's all good now. So, so they can do it. So yeah. you can experiment. I'm just like, I've, like you, grown up where I never, never got high, never drank, never did anything. And, but yet there is part of me that kind of romanticized, like, I wonder if I missed out on something. I wonder what it really feels like. It's pretty common. Yeah. And, but yet, but the more I uh, talk to Jay and we do, we, you know, we work with the ARP program, the more I'm like, man, I don't want to go near that stuff. Because it sees the end, end result. So, so you're in, so you're working in a restaurant, it's around there, finally someone just gets you to try it, or you had romanticized enough, and then you try it, where does it go from yeah. there? And there, like you just said, there was that part of me that, that, I mean, I got married very young, very, very young, and I always felt like I'd missed out on this, you know, missed out on life, and missed out on other things, and oh. during this time, my ex-husband, my husband at the time, we moved to Michigan, um, to East Lansing. We were, um, out at Michigan state. And so when I got outside of Utah and saw that nobody was going to see what I did, nobody mm-hmm. cared. And I could, it was, and it was really strange to not drink and to not do these things, you know? Yeah. And so as things, as, but as things got worse in my life and it was just shortly after that, that I say worse in my life, but as things got harder, um, I, then I really discovered that it wasn't just the romanticizing. It wasn't just like, this is fun and it's cool in my mind. I thought, you know, but I ended up getting divorced and, and it became, it became a, I drank because I didn't want to feel, you know, when you hear people say that. Yeah. It was the the fun and good feeling was replaced with, I just don't want to feel. Yep. Exactly. And how long did that last? How old were you when that happened? If you don't mind asking. So I was, um, so that was about three years into my drinking. And so I'm, I'm 41 now. And I, so I drank for about, I got sober when I was 40. So I drank for about eight, nine years. Wow. And, but the last, the last year and a half was when I just, I tanked. It, it became drinking every day all day long and and it was I was in that cycle of not being able to get out of it yeah the reason why the reason why I asked your age is because I mean obviously we have people listening that are all all ages and and, and sizes and so uh we, I'm a, me and Lexi my wife we're we're in our early 30s and we have a lot of friends in fact we have a couple um, one of them who's uh, they got married really young and and is you know we that's what you just said just that alone getting married young felt like you messed out. Now all of a sudden, like you, you just start trying these things. It's interesting because like, here's the, the eight years later, right? Here's the eight years later story. But like some of them are still in that first two, three years of leaving the church, deciding to, to go and do the things of the world and think they're having a great time. And right now, maybe it is like, I'm sure it was for you when I first used drugs, like I say, or alcohol as a kid, it was my solution. It was fun. It was, it worked. It was great. Yeah. It did everything I, I was told it was going to do and it worked. Until all of a sudden, one day, it, it didn't work anymore. And no amount of pills, no amount of alcohol, nothing could make me 
even like feel good like let alone feeling like i had no feeling the only thing yeah. i felt was bad all the time yep what was your relationship with the church as that i mean you were active prior to drinking did you reactive when you were drinking yeah like going to church you know, i still was active when i was drinking yeah i was and i i would you know i made i wasn't as active i through this whole process i've never lost my testimony of the gospel like, it's always been there Sure. And today, I still have a firm testimony of, was of it the a, gospel. Was it a double life, or were you admitted like I was struggling with this alcohol, or or did no one in the church know that you were? I think that um, there were some people that that did know. My family knew, um, and it's kind of funny. My bishop in Vegas before he he was a big player in the reason why I ended up going to treatment, but. I mean, I would I would have a beer in in the car. I'm being really honest with you guys here, but yeah, I'd have a beer in the car and I'd go in and visit with him. For sure. And he he knew that, and his family. He had a lot of family members who had struggled with alcoholism, and I didn't hide it. I couldn't lie about it. I would tell people, "Oh no, I'm, I'm quitting. I quit. I quit." You know, but no, I. I yeah, I mean, I mean, when I was when we were married and lived in Lafayette, I was going to BYU. I mean, I was I was taking prescription drugs and working in the temple, like you know what I mean. So I get yeah. it. Like, I mean, my testimony wasn't like I was doing it to be defiant. It was I was a drug addict, and yet I still wanted to be a member of the church. Like that was yeah. I just didn't know how to stop using drugs. You know, I wanted to I wanted to accomplish a lot of things in life, but I just could not stop using drugs. Like at least at that time, I couldn't put two and two together. I couldn't. I you know, it's simple. Two and two equals four. I could not do that. Like, and, yeah. and it became such a cycle, which it sounds like with you is the same thing. And so at this time, so how many, how many kids do you have? Do you have kids? I do. I have three beautiful kiddos. Okay. I do. I have, yeah. And so I have you, a daughter on a mission. Really? Yeah. Where at? She's in Carlsbad. Not too far from you guys. Neighbor, neighbor, neighbor yeah. mission used to be part of our mission. When I got baptized in the church, it was Carlsbad mission back then. Oh yeah. In 2005. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so when you, because once again, the, the way I'm sure you, and by the way, how long do you have sober right now? One year, right? So, I'm almost in a year. I'll be a year. Yeah, July yeah. a year. July. July. So, so if you're listening, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, here's eight, nine years of using to the point where even right before she walks into church, um, it, you can stop too. And that's the whole point of why we're doing this podcast. It's not just to talk about the problem, it's to talk about the solution and um, Absolutely. At, at the time, so you're drinking, and you say you mentioned you and your husband get divorced. We all know how that is outside of the church. Inside the church, it's even it's it's really hard, right? I mean, the oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk us through how that felt. You know, out of I have six siblings, and or I'm sorry, there's I'm I'm one of the six siblings, yeah. and um, it, it's hard. I'm the only one who is divorced and has kids, and it's. Yeah, it was, I mean, you have that sense of failure, and just, I was down on myself, I, um, and there was, and there was that, that same part of me, too, that was so young, and I was like, wow, I'm three, (laughs) and that contributed, you know, to my, to that lifestyle for a while, of thinking, well, I'm, I'm gonna go do what I want, and it was, What's that? You you considered it your time. This is my time. I'm gonna I did. Be, be a little uh, selfish on my time. I was, so, and I, 
I didn't realize how destructive I was being to my family, to my kids. Uh, it was I. It I was horrible. You're disconnected. So if I do the math right, your daughter left on her mission while you were active in your addiction. She did. She did, and. You know, before we left, my kids were very, very much aware of my my drinking and um, blackout drinking, all that, all of that stuff. And she had begged me, "Mom, please get help. Will you please, you know, I want you to get sober." My kids wanted me to get sober for a long time because when you're LDS, I shouldn't have had that first drink to begin with, let alone thirty in one night. Yeah, and but so you have the disease. You didn't know. I mean. The, yeah. The reality is, there are a lot of people that do drink outside of the church and are not alcoholics. So you know, we can't, we can't, we can't. You know, you're, you're. It's just what it is. You know, it's that, that's that it chemical is. reaction that happens in our brain that that uh, creates craving, and they still don't physically, you know, they still don't absolutely know exactly why one person could pick up one drink and then put it down. Those those of us that keep drinking, like you said, well into the 30s, and then we yeah. back out. Yeah. But that's like what you said. I like what you said is like, you know, because you're LDS, we have the word of wisdom. We have warnings of these things. So we don't even pick it up the first time. You don't have to worry about it, right? And right. We, know, we know some of our situations, like, you know, there's a lot of converts that come to the church. They've already ex- discovered that because it wasn't taught to them. Or even someone with a prescription drug, you prescribe thinking it's a cure and it ends up being, you know, poison to you. And you have no idea. Um, but so you so you do that. And so it's, it's crazy you say that. I mean, it's it's common. Like, I mean... Maybe at the time, like you were just like me, where you shamed yourself. But reality is, like I've known probably four or five different families with alcoholics or drug addicts in there, like either father or mother that have kids going on missions or went on missions, yeah. both in our stake, our ward, in our meetings, you know, in in South Orange County. And it's, it's sadly more common than than not. But 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 no one talks about a solution for it except read your scriptures, pray, and just stop. Yeah, and not a lot of tools to here's how to stop. Here's what to do. And here's some resources and some people that can help. So go into what. So so that's part. So we know now like what your your basic outline, your story, your disease. Where where does it go from there? Uh, Daughter leads on a mission. Then what? Daughter leads on a mission. Um, And this was this this last year. So I had the brilliant idea to move from southern Utah to um las vegas i thought that if i got out of my <laughs> out of my situation <laughs> and go to the that, vegas yeah, that i, I could um you know get get away from all of the friends that were drinking totally. and and stop drinking and i moved so i moved to las vegas and i of course you know but it's funny i didn't it just it helped isolate me more yeah. from everything and everyone and i went to from being out and being a social, an overactive social drinker, but I went to drinking at home alone in my closet yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then, so where does it um, go from there? From there, um, I mean, I was hospitalized. So in the year, the year before I got sober, I was hospitalized four times. Um, a friend found me and called, I was called the, I called the hospital, called 911, and I ended up in the hospital for 10 days. I was at a 0.5. Wow. Um, so that's like half of my blood was wow. alcohol. Yeah. Wow. And so I only, I just, I tell you that to, I was rock bottom. So I finally, I leave, I leave Vegas. I come back. I'm coming to Southern Utah. I'm staying with a friend. My family knows how bad off I am, but 
nobody at that point, nobody could have helped me. I just, I still kept thinking, I can do this, I can do this, I can stop. Um, I end up in a homeless shelter. Wow. And I'm homeless. I end up going to jail for a warrant that because, of course, in our addictions, we don't take care of things. Of we don't, you know, everything. I put everything aside and then it would come to the forefront and I would just drink and then not take care of it. And um, So, yeah, jail and homeless. And finally, I went to a guy, a man here who he's an attorney, but he's um, he spoke at my dad's funeral. Um, my dad passed away a year ago in March and he was one of my dad's best friends. And I just said, you know, I went to his office in tears and I said, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what else to do. I don't have my dad to go to and I have got to do something. And he said to me, he's like, you need to go to the Salvation Army. Ooh, and I was like, yeah. what? I don't, you know? Yeah. And he's like, it is the hardest program, but he's like, sure. I'm those are going to walk in the park. Myself. It is hard. <laughs> wow. And so I did. My um, my brother ended up, I mean, I knew I was going, so of course I went out and had my big last drunk. My brother drives me down there. Um, and there were so many miracles that happened in, you know, maybe I will have time another time to share, but I so many miracles that happened in this process of me like where I was told that I, it was a two month wait to get into the program. And then literally they called me back an hour later and said, can you come this weekend? And I was like, I'm there. And so what type of program? I mean, obviously it's a a 12 steps, right? It's a 12 steps. It's a God based, you know, AA based type program. um, Where I, I, I've never gone to, I've been to one AA meeting in my entire life before I went to treatment. Yeah. When, when you were drinking or before? Um, like while, while I was drinking. Okay, eight, nine years of nothing, just out yeah. rather than monk. Growing yeah. up in the church, like myself, you probably didn't know much about it at all, right? What, except no, for movies? I, I didn't know anything about it. Or the ARP program. I've been, my sister had drug me to a few of the ARP meetings, and I was like, yeah, okay, you know. Yeah. But I was just not, I, ready. I guess, wasn't ready, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I went there and I, I got sober and, um, Detox, I, how, how long were you there for? I was there for two months. They medically and, detox you with that high of alcohol in your blood? Sure. Yeah. Um, they detoxed me. I mean, I was, I had the shakes, I had the vomiting, I was freezing. I couldn't see straight at that point. I had been drinking to the point where I was, I would have hallucinations. I mean, I was poisoning myself. My drinking was beyond (laughs) how I'm still alive some days. It's, it's a miracle, but it's, um, it's it's all, I know it's all God. It's for sure a miracle. So you go there, you, you, two months is not very long, right? Like, I mean, I talk to people all the time and they go, well, can I get my brother? Can I get my dad? Can I get my son? In the rehab, I said, for sure. And that'll help stop, you know, give them some time if they'll stay. Most people, as you know, check themselves out. But if they stay 30, 90, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, that's great. But the real yeah. the real challenge is what will they do when they get out, right? I, I know three guys that I'm trying to work with right now. They get out, boom, they go out within a week or three days, you know, every single time. It's like their MO right now. Yeah. How do you keep yourself? Because now we're talking about the solution. The solution was you finally got honest. 
you finally surrendered, right? Part of the program. You, yeah. you check yourself in willingly. And then you, now you're only there 60 days. You probably did all 12 steps while you're there, right? I did. Okay. And I then did. get a sponsor from in there that you still work with today. Or did you find another one after that? How do you get, what do you, you know? Yeah. It's funny. I ended I, we had to get a sponsor while we were there. Totally. And I connected with this amazing lady who I still have in my life, awesome. you know, even though she's still in California, but she, um, automatically I knew I was like she's that's my sponsor and it wasn't until after the fact that I found out that she had 40 years sobriety and she was LDS oh that's so rad she didn't drop that on you before well and it wasn't like it wasn't a factor she didn't didn't matter I was LDS but our our spirits our souls definitely connected and it was yeah I mean it that has helped me a lot having a sponsor that is LDS She's in Southern uh, California. We should get her on. Here. Yeah. yeah, she's in Orange County. Oh. What? Wait, what? Where does she live? Yeah. Is somewhere down here? Okay, we got to talk <laughs> yeah. after. Give us contact well, after. Talk after. Let's follow yeah, this up. For sure. <laughs> I want to meet this lady and tell her she's awesome because you're awesome. Oh. Um, so, okay, so so you're doing the steps with her. Now you get out. Where do you go? Do you go? Where, I mean, do you, I mean, I, I remember leaving that treatment center in St. George. I remember going, okay, now what? Like, I was more scared. To leave, I was scared when I got taken there and realized how long I was going to be there, five months. When I was a kid, you know, 15, you know, it's like the end of the world. But then yeah. um, the day before I found out I was going home, I almost I had a panic attack. And I remember telling the leaders, I can't go home. They're like, well, do, they're like you've been pleading to go home for five months. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about? I worked my way through the system as fast as I could to go, you know, kind of faking it. But at the same time, like, I was just like, I knew if I went home, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'll be able to handle the pressure and the peer pressure and and just the expectations of life again. Yeah. You know, where I was at, if I, if I hadn't felt ready to go, if I hadn't felt ready, I would not have, I would not have gone oh, when sure. I did. For sure. But I, um, I one of the things you? that she had told me was, Jay, what gets you sober is not going to keep you sober. Huh. And Amen. I left that place with the mentality that I was still in treatment. I went back to take, I needed to take care of legal issues, which I, my wreckage, my wreckage was deep. (laughs) It's still deep, but I had to take care of stuff. And, but I still, you know, my, my friends, my circle is very tight and, but I still, I, I still kind of not, I mean, I don't live my life like I'm at the treatment center, but I definitely live my life in, um, I mean, meetings all the time, sponsor work all the time, working the steps. Um, there's that's what I do today. That's so you're going to meetings. I mean, that's what I want to get at. Is oh you're, yeah, you're hitting yeah. your year chip in July, which I don't. There's no jinxing or knocking on wood because we all know it's not luck. It's work and it's, and work. it's honesty and it's all the things you're doing currently in your life. So let's call it what it is. But um, but it's because your solution is like you just said. Of course, you don't live yourself in a bubble because you can't do that. Reality is you cannot yeah. lock yourself in a room. You can't do that. You have to go out and live life. But you're living life now on life's terms, and you're, you're honest. You're going to meetings. I assume uh, – are you go to local meetings like where you live, or have you gone to ARP meetings? Are you at 12-step meetings? Where do you go? I do both. Great. I do both. Yeah, because I found that the AA meetings weren't enough by themselves for me yeah. and how deep I was in my alcoholism. And the ARP meetings weren't enough for me where I was at. So I have, I do both. And, um, because it's, I, I, I need both. 
Totally. I need concepts and the principles. I need the principles of the ARP and that maybe that for me, it's a deeper spiritual connection that I get there. Um, but I need the legwork of AA. <laughs> Jay, and uh, is this, I think a lot of people feel, especially in church culture, is like I, sh I show up to meetings once a week. That's enough. As soon as I stop engaging the activity, then I'm good. I don't want, I don't want to be uh, known as person going to a meeting. The rest um, of my life, yeah. It's looked at possibly as being weak. Yeah. But when I hear you guys speak, it's actually demonstrating being strong. That yeah. You're in control. You're choosing to go because yeah. you want to be in control of this, not let it control you. Exactly. So what would you say and to someone who doesn't, who's like, wow, you go to multiple meetings? Like, they don't even want to go to one meeting a week or they feel like it's still a burden. Because you go to multiple yeah. meetings, Jay, too. And, and I see that, you know, you see that. And I, I know kind of the beauty of both programs is there's not one thing that's cut and dry for every single person. Okay. Yep. And I do think that you have to find what's going to work for you, um, what's going to be, what's going to fit for you and in your life. And it's interesting, when I first came back, I found a lady to be my sponsor, and fantastic person, she's great, but she's not LDS. And for me, that ended up being, that ended up being, I, which I didn't realize it was going to be, but it, it's essential for me. Yeah. Because I do deal with a lot of guilt and, and shame, which I probably put on myself, but... Um, but having somebody that understands that side of it for me is important. To me, it's crucial. Like, I honestly, yeah. like, for me, like, I, I mean, as rough as I am, like, it, Brad will tell you, like, as far as on the outside with kind of my language and behavior, when it came to the program, like, I, I thought, you know, I mean, especially the way I lived in my addiction, I was really rough on the edges, you know, still wearing a white shirt and tie on Sunday, but like, my behavior was way not normal. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but I loved the church. And I loved everything, but my behavior wasn't. I went to, for me, it, I just love what you said. Like, because for everyone's different. For me, I went to AA and I knew because of the 20 years I grew up outside the church that being around other people that uh, had recovery in their disease of maybe one thing like alcohol or drugs, and but maybe not with cigarettes and tobacco and alcohol you know, or coffee, those things used to be addiction as well for me. So for me, I had to stay away from those and I had to, and it was hard for me. Like before we started doing this, like I went to one meeting a week, my entire first year and a half. And it was like, uh, it was brutal and it was really hard, but it worked. But like now we have multiple meetings. I can get to go to different ARP meetings and, and get the, the, the flavor of the week that I need, you know? But, uh, yeah. but I like what you just said. It's all about being honest. Like my sponsor, who's a member of the church, uh, born and raised in the church, also works in recovery. He goes like, he's in five or six years now of sobriety and he's like still goes five or six meetings a week, all different types, cocaine, you know, all these different types of meetings. So that way I've seen, I'm sure you've seen this in this first year um, and, and other meetings and talking and probably working with other people as you see that a lot of times like you're, you, you, you identify as an alcoholic, right? So a lot right. of times we can go, okay, well I'm an alcoholic, but I ain't a drug addict. So I can do, I can take that or I'm an alcoholic. I'm not, I don't have a problem with tobacco. I only drink, you know, or I don't have a problem with this X, Y, and Z. That was me. I just, my disease, as it talks about in the steps, because I wasn't honest in the very beginning, it just went from one thing to the other. So when I found opiates, it was just, that was the thing. You know, I'd already drawn a line with alcohol and tobacco. So that it was still waiting to come out. It had to find something because I had to get to that level where I was going to be honest so I could start working on 
um, the insecurities, the shame, the things you just talked about. And uh, the analogy I use is what you're talking about is like the boat. You stop a speedboat in the water. If you've ever gone to the river or the lake, you stop the boat and it's going really fast. But it, first of all, that when you cut throttle, the boat doesn't stop, right? It keeps drifting for a little bit, right? It takes yeah, some time. Yeah. But then what happens when you stop? My uncle used to have this really low, flat, racing 70s, 80s style boat and the weight comes and catches up. And that's what we deal with in our first year, maybe two years of recovery. But after that, once you deal with everything, all your wake, your wreckage, like you said, your wake, once you get through that, then it's like, man, my second, third, and fourth, I mean, these years have been nothing but like get to work and get to help other people because that's how I'm going to stay sober. Like you said, not what gets you sober keeps you sober. You got to you gotta create your recovery new every day. You do. You do, and you have to work it every day. You know, I had a, yeah, exactly what you just said with the um, every day. My, I, I have a little brother who's in recovery, or he's, yeah, we have about the same amount of time. And, um, and he said to me, he's like, what, how do you do? What do you do? And I said, I work it every single day. I don't take a day off. It's not, I, and it's not a burden. It's not a bad thing or a heavy thing or a negative thing in my life. Actually, it's a very positive thing, but I don't take a day off. I don't think, well, I can just slide today. It's all right if I just, you know. Here's why it uh, should be a joy is because it's, you're applying the atonement. And yes. you, get, you get to really rely on it every day. Um, and if you've exactly. listened to some of our podcasts, I think we talked about it as far as my analogy of cars. And, you know, Ludorf says uh, the church is an auto repair room, not an auto showroom. And I look at uh, people like yourself and like Jay, you're like the Maseratis or the Jaguars or whatever car that needs a lot of maintenance. <laughs> you know, you're able to run Thanks it at much higher RPM. I was going to say, at first it sounds like he's dissing you, but then you got to hear the end. Yeah, like you yeah. could do things my Honda Civic can't do. Reality is a Honda Civic can't take I, a corner like a Ferrari, right? I can run regular gas in it. You got to run high octane gas in it. Yep. Yeah, sure, it costs you a few more bucks, but... What I also like is that analogy you shared the first time you talked about this was like the race car, right? Like yeah. when you look oh, at... Yeah, when yeah. you Like I'm not in the NASCAR. My, my wife's family is, but when they pull over, the, the thing in every race is stripped. Yeah. Right. Like literally stripped and cleaned and sometimes replacing new parts every single race, every time it's on the track, no matter what. Right. No ifs, ands or buts. It's taken out and cleansed. Think about the steps do. Right. Between one, six and basically between one and um, nine, you know, one through nine is is literally taking apart the vehicle. Right. And just stripping it down, giving it new parts, cleaning it, processing it. And then 10, 11, 12, you're on the track. And then, like you said, we through 10, 11, and 12, you're kind of doing the maintenance that you need, which mm -hmm. is that high-octane type stuff. That's right. And I seriously look at it and think, Heavenly Father's more, like, the gift of the atonement is a gift. And you're applying it daily. Totally. And so, like, some the weird church culture is like, oh, well, we should be perfect, so we shouldn't use the atonement. Yeah. Well, it's, you're, it's, like you're, we're not it's not, it's not just like, repentance. It's not just yeah. like you've you've messed up. It's just keeping you in check. Yeah, and that's what we it should does. all be doing. It does, and I and that's one of the things that keeps me going and keeps me. I say keeps me sober, but keeps me wanting to stay sober. As bad as you know, as bad as sometimes I'm still dealing with a lot of stuff, still trying to repair things in my life, but. There isn't a single day sober that is anywhere near as my bad days, though. 
Amen. And Amen. yeah, having having that atonement and having that blessing and being able to feel that again in my life, I, I don't want to compromise that. That's not something I ever want to lose. Yeah. Well, like, well, like for people like you and myself, right? I mean, like it's life or death. Like reality is it's life or it death. Is. I look at it like that. And then unfortunately I had to like, you know, I've had to lose people in recovery, right? Like when I say I had to lose, I mean, I was there. I've watched them be a part of the recovery recently, sponsored someone you know, who later passed away. Um, and that's, those are the reality checks. And I have to like put myself and go, wait a minute. You know, in fact, the first, per like really got me really serious about breaking my anonymity was a girl who passed away from a heroin addiction. I was just like, that could have been me. You know what I mean? Like I need to go out there and I need to, I need to break my anonymity for other people as well, so they can get recovery quicker. Right. Cause I mean, like you and me, it was later in life, and uh, and I'm sponsoring another guy who's in his 50s. I mean, you know, and it's doable for sure. But man, if you can start catching this thing in your in your early stages, the rest of your life can be, you know, guaranteed um, awesomeness. And so, anyways, but I love I love your story. I'm glad that you found. I mean, how cool is that? We start. The Brad starts the podcast, approaches me, and I'm like, I just thought I was like, man, they're known. You know, I, re I honestly did. I was just like, and it's funny because I'm full of my ego all the time. <laughs> So you think I'd be like, yeah, I want to hear myself. I want to record myself. But uh, but uh, really, I honestly didn't think anyone would listen. I remember, and I love podcasts. I was just like, nah, I mean, no one's going to want to hear it. And, and then not only have we interviewed you as well as a couple other people that have messaged us on Instagram, you know, because that's really our only, like, communication with people um, that yeah. listen. Um, we see the ratings, but we don't, like, can't communicate anyways. And uh, to hear that you, you started, it's been helpful. Because I, I know when I first got sober, I didn't know anything. Even though I had known about drugs and alcohol, I didn't know anything about recovery. And because I was only going to a church ARP meeting, I had to, like, figure it out on my own, you know. And I'd, 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 I'd learn from my, my sponsor, and I'd start reading stuff about AA. But, like, I needed something more. I needed a podcast. I remember looking, and there couldn't really find one that I could relate to. Uh, YouTube videos. I was, like, whatever I, I could get my hands on. Yeah, hungry. Because I knew, yeah. just like when I joined the church, I had to engulf myself. Like, you know, I did. I do. <laughs> So, do you, have you uh, sponsored anybody yet? No, I I haven't sponsored anybody yet. I'm I, that makes me nervous. I I will Ooh. be a sponsor at some that's point. A, that's <laughs> the next step. All right, I'm a challenge. Next We're step. What you. the name of the podcast is the next, next step. step. <laughs> Think of how many you're. But you broke an anonymity. You got like you're you're out there. December of of sixteen is when you created your LDS girl in recovery. I, I did. Stalking you on that. I know. Janae, listen, Janae, listen, listen to this. Listen, if I, <laughs> I, first of all, the first few sponsees, it was really rough because, of course, they didn't get sober, and I was, like, over, I was, like, trying to, like, save them, right? So I was, like, that sponsor was, like, texting them and calling them and trying to motivational speech their recovery, which doesn't work, even though you can be really good at <laughs> business or my personal life, that, that works, but not in recovery. But I honestly, first of all, I wouldn't be sober today. For sure. And neither so, would you. You talked about, I mean, your number one post, I love my sponsor. See it right there? Yeah. Oh, where are you at? Oh, yeah, right there. Yeah. That's what you put. And I was talking about that awesome lady in Southern California. <laughs> so that's what we're saying is like, you can be that for someone else. But here's the crazy part. When you walk someone else through the steps, guaranteed she would tell you the same thing if you asked her right now. If you call her right after this conversation, she'll tell you she learned more about herself and her disease and her her maintenance and recovery and, and the, the finite details through helping someone else walk through because the spirit is there when you're doing that and you're listening to them. And it's just like going to a meeting, right? You're relating, you're connecting, and you're identifying. 
And when you work on one-on-one -on -one and someone dumps a fourth or fifth step on you, you start to go, whoa, I never made that. Because they're making new connections, right, with their recovery. And we're all so much alike, right? I mean, you could sit yeah. for hours, I guarantee, and relate stories. And as well as triumphs, you know, good things, bad and good. And uh, you connect so well. And, oh, man, I definitely not, you know, like we said, challenge. We're just joking. But, like, I definitely. No, I'm, I'm challenging you. I think. <laughs> <laughs> if you've done the 12 steps, yep. you understand what a great sponsor is. You're going to multiple meetings. Um, I think you put yeah. yourself out there in uh, your story will meeting. save lives, man. I mean, it already is. Yeah. I guarantee. I mean, it saved my. I mean, like you just said, what got me sober is not so my testimonies I heard then. Today, this is keeping me sober today. Like that's yeah. like, imagine imagine having someone there with you, you know, who, who's looking at you. And the cool part is, is you know, the longer I sponsor people, like right now, I'm eight or nine dudes. The more I realize that, like, it's not my, it's helped me understand how to do missionary work too, like in the church, because I used to have a hard time. A lot of missionaries, a lot of members, they try to save people. Like, I'm not the savior, right? I'm also not yeah. 12 steps. I'm not the big book. I'm not the meeting, right? I'm just literally carrying the message, and I've learned finally how to balance not carrying the person. It's not easy, but I tell you what, it, I wouldn't have learned that unless I went through this process over the last four years of sponsoring people. And, and you, Jay, you've talked about times where just, the crap hit the fan that day for work or whatever. Oh. And you'll get a call from one of those guys. Still do to this day. And it's like, boom. And then... Janae, you, like, you he, what he's saying is I have these days with work because I'm in sales. I have a lot of ups and downs, right? And I have a lot of free time. Yeah. And I'll be on these long drives, man. If I had, a, I had a really bad sale or someone treated me personally really bad, like in a meeting or whatever, then all of a sudden the phone rings and that's right when I had my downtime. Right, like I could, I could just drive and do whatever I want. No one knows what I do. And I don't, you know, eventually it would come out. But I'm just saying, it's amazing to have someone, people that like are looking at you as their, their accountability, which then keeps you accountable. It does, and you know, I am, I am finding that more and more that the more that there, we have, we do have the ability, we have the opportunity to help other people, and that was huge. And I don't know about you, but making that decision to. To break on anonymity and say, I'm an alcoholic and an LDS. Yeah. Whammo. You know? Wham. Wham. That, well, we love it. I mean, honestly, I, it's like, hopefully we're starting a trend. But, um, I mean, in our stake, I don't know what it was like. Brad grew up in the stakes since he was a little kid. But I tell you, the wards and stakes I went to were nothing like I feel like our stake has turned into. I feel like everyone, if you say you have an addiction now, no one's shaming anyone. I mean, there may be. There's a few, probably a few people. Yeah, but you know, like for the most part, like, let's the, be real. There's probably for a few. sure, for sure. But they don't count in my mind. But uh, <laughs> like, I mean, reality is, I, we get welcomed almost to the point where it's like, you know, yeah. it's almost but, too much. But but yeah. you were afraid, like, yeah, when you moved into our for war sure. and our stake, and but now, it was one like, of those things that was clear in my mind. It had to be done. My my uh, my uh, I get a little jealous because I'll go. I've been here. I've lived here like my whole life, basically, and uh, my wife and I have been in the same house for 20 years. And but I still have people coming. Hey, that was a great meeting. That Jay guy. <laughs> and it's always like, I'm like, hey, what about me? What about like I did pretty good? But it's all, it's yeah. all like mad props to you. So which is funny because if they knew that without Brad, like I, well, I wouldn't be doing all that. Like it, 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 yeah. it works together, man. It works together. <laughs> well, did you? You, know, you guys are awesome. Did uh, we? I don't know if we talked about it in the pod or just our meeting about when I read. I'm trying to find it again in AA Big Book when they were doing the introduction and about. And, Anonymity. No, we had to talk about this. No, we didn't. I'm trying to find the quote. So listen to this. I don't think you've heard it, Janae. Is um, and I can't remember if it was Bill or Bob, but they basically said when we're when they were starting the fellowship in 1940 or whatever, 38. Or they said it's important for us to remain anonymous 
as a group of Alcoholics Anonymous because we're just we're sh we're small in numbers. numbers. So Our numbers are so small, we don't have the capacity to handle the demand basically. Because we all have full time We all have jobs. jobs, we have our families. We don't have we don't have the bandwidth to take on the amount of people that would need it. So that will be calling us out basically yeah. for help. So, so it had nothing to do with anonymity that's in the beginning. Awesome, actually. Yeah, and, and it's true because there's a certain point where you can't handle it. We can post that thing, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll post that up. But uh, but because not everyone can handle breaking anonymity because you're not at the right phase. Yeah, for sure. And, but as soon as you feel like you can have the bandwidth, and, and an ARP meeting is great because you have a – how many people attend your meetings on average there? You know, we have any – we'll have anywhere from like 8 to 10, sometimes oh, 15 – Funny. I mean, sometimes we have some really big meetings, and it's funny because we do have, I do see a lot of people who go to both, you know, I'll see them, we're like, oh, you're LDS, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you have that commonality, and it's nice that, yeah, you get some, you get pretty good, I, I don't know, how big are yours? I don't no, know no, I just mean, like, um, the anonym, the more people break, this is what happens. What what he's saying is like the first anonymity is breaking in a meeting where you identify as an alcoholic. Totally, that took me months. That's 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 one form of breaking anonymity is in that small meeting of eight to ten or twenty people. Yeah, and then when you go do a public, I mean, look at what the meetings that we're getting started up here just because of of the breaking anonymity of me and my wife. Then before you know it, you got couples calling you. Then before you know it, you got bishops. Then the stake presidents, and then now now you're touching all these different families in different areas and. And then you sponsor someone, and then they get sober. Like we've had a guy on the podcast get sponsored, get sober, starts a meeting, guy that I sponsored. And now he's sponsoring 15, 20 people. And then those yeah. people start sponsoring. And look at the, the ripple effect, obviously. It's the building of the kingdom, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's saving people's lives. Reality is you're providing a message that, like you said, you put it in their hands, and look what you've done. In one year, I mean, look, at, if you went from blackout in the hospital <laughs> Couldn't you know? Couldn't take care of your not only your life becoming manageable. It was it was gone. Your life was gone. It was like it, it was gone. Yeah. You were a walking zombie basically, and you probably couldn't even walk straight. So just <laughs> like me, right? And then now here you are on a podcast saying your name, talking about your Instagram account, and hopefully uh, going up to that first girl that you see in the next however many days that comes <laughs> and says she needs a sponsor. You're walking to the first person to her because it'll take you to another level. I promise you that. You got it. You, I will. I will do it. <laughs> All right. And it's. Are we? Do we? Are we out of time? No. I was gonna share one thing. Yeah. You can say. You can say two things. <laughs> that. Okay. That choice to. That choice to. To go out and. Well, just yeah, with my just the the Instagram account. Um. I had seen that quote, and it it's posted on it's posted on my account, but it says um. Sometimes God redeems our past by putting, or redeems our story by putting people in, by putting people around us that need to hear our past so it doesn't become their future. Yeah. Did you catch all that? Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, that, that's how I felt. And that, for me, because my story, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's pretty much about as bad, and other than, thank goodness I didn't die, but everything else in between there happened and so the thought of being able to have that story redeemed and have to be able to hopefully share with other people that there are ways to deal with these things that made me say you know what I need to do this and for what Heavenly Father has given me back in my life 
I need to give it back. Amen to that for sure. Absolutely. I mean, like, so. yeah, we shortchange ourselves if we got everything we wanted in life, you know, compared to what God has in store for us. And just what you're doing, I honestly, I, I honestly, 100%, not my ability, everything I have in my life between from my family being back together or if it was a case for you for a new family you know for a new spouse all these things the blessings that i have in my life temporally spiritually physically mentally relationships friends uh everything has to do with my i honestly feel it was because my decision not only to get sober of course but to live in recovery and to to help other people in recovery and i feel like the minute i stop doing that there's no lies anymore, right? The minute I stop giving back, like the parable of living water, the minute the water stops coming in and then flowing back out, it's going to spool up together and it's gonna, it's not going to be fresh anymore. And uh, yeah. um, more power to you. That's awesome. What a, what a great guest. I'm so happy you reached out. Yeah. This has been awesome. Yeah, this is one of my favorite yeah. ones. Yeah. You know what's going to be awesome is when we get your sponsor on here. With you. And then in a year, we're going to get at least one of the persons you sponsor. Can we get her here. when she's got her year chip, too? Yeah. Like in July. It's a few months from now. Yeah, let's well, do We're going to put a calendar yeah. reminder. Yeah. Well, Sorry. What, what's your response? You got to say this out loud. What is your date? <laughs> it's 7 11. I like it. 7 11. <laughs> I, I already have it in my calendar. Okay, done. 7 11, right there. Your 7-11. birthday. Sweet. Don't walk into a 7 Eleven, you'll be good. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. And like you said, the embarrassing part, all that stuff, like eventually that goes like I'm not embarrassed. Like I don't feel shame, guilt, or anything. And there was a time in my life I thought it would never go away. Never. Yeah. My first year though, whew, I had so much shame still. I had so much guilt. And uh, but you know, like I I think it, that came from sponsoring people and then, you know, doing the facilitating thing and eventually it's like I there's no shame anymore at all. Like I feel none. And that's a, a good sign that it's it's in the past, right? That helps me to hear that because, yeah, I'm still like... I know. I know where you're at. I know exactly where you're at. That's so bad, you know? I know, you know exactly where you're at. Totally. Totally. And I can relate to it. I guarantee, like I said, if we sat here, we could talk for hours and I, you could tell me how you're feeling today and what you feel. And I'd say, yep, I remember feeling that way. And that... And that and it's so common though. That's what you should know. And and that that'll that'll change just like uh, how a year ago you used to not live a day on sober, and now you can't even imagine a day not sober, right? So exactly, the yeah. shame and stuff will change too. Now eventually you'll get out and you go, wow, I can't believe I lived in so much shame. Why did I live in shame? Oh, it's because I was holding on maybe to this, that, and the other. And you know what I mean? And the more yeah. you let that yeah. go, you keep growing. So it's awesome. How sweet was it talking to your daughter yesterday on Mother's Day? Oh my goodness! Oh, see, oh, I'm just all smiles. <laughs> Brad's got a daughter on a mission too, which yeah. we talked about. So you yeah. have to do that cool. too. Yes, and she was so you know because I left, I was so sick when I left, and we talked about you know the pictures that we have of me at her farewell, and I yeah. have the vodka blow, of course, oh. you know, drinking like totally before i went and i look so ill and one of these days when i get brave enough i'll post some of these other pictures of when you know of just the before and after and you can see the health in my eyes today and the the that i'm i'm myself again and she loves seeing that we got facetime and she's like mom you're healthy it's so real for everyone else huh yeah yeah. Yeah. Lexi talked, my wife and friends talk about it. Um, I, you know, when you're living in it, you don't really see how you look. So, you know, the, the reminder is I was thinking about this this week. Um, 
that sharing your story where you were, you know, young woman's president, um, we, no one is immune to being tempted and falling. Like we hear, even the great will fall. Uh, the, even the elect will be deceived, right? You got deceived that this substance is going to be the answer to whatever problems you are trying to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I was recounting in my mind, like we've had Bishop Bricks come to our meetings, right? Yep. Elders Quorum Presidency, like doctors, lawyers, doctors, lawyers. I know members of state presidency that are in jail or going to jail Relief for, for a variety of things. Like even the, even the great among us, the quote great among us, the spiritual, like yeah. they're tempted just as much, if not more than anybody else. And so to not talk about, I mean, the great fall and Satan wants you to shut your mouth because that other Relief Society president or Young Women's president who's dealing with a whole bunch of crap and her, and in the back of her mind, she's got Satan going, just take a drink, just take a hit, just do this, go do that. You know, it'll, it'll make it all yeah. better. Everyone else does it. Um, and that, that will uh, show them that that's not the right path. So you, you're sharing your and experience. You get out of it. And, you, and if you happen to step off that path, there's a way back. There's a way back. It's not easy, but it's worth but it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Exactly. We're going to end on that. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Any last words for you? Oh, just stay strong and keep going. Life is good. Say your Instagram account again, just in case there's someone listening and wants to start following you. Okay. It's LBSGirl underscore in recovery. All right. We'll post that up, if you don't mind, on our links, and maybe you'll get some more followers, as will we. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thy peace.
Shelter!